Hello and welcome to our podcast, On Your Marks. My name is Peter and I am the leader of St Mark's Church in Jersey, a growing, friendly Anglican church in the centre of St Helier. We want to take the Bible apart and see what's really in there, going beyond the face value to dig a little deeper into certain topics. We will bring you fresh content every week and hope you get a lot out of listening. So, if you're ready, let's go. Well, hello, Ray. How are, how are you today? Oh, I'm good. As good as can be expected. And we used to say under the circumstances. We try and be over the circumstances. That's, that's the way to do it. Explain that. But you would say that you are in control, not, not controlled. Oh, I like it. So we're not in the circumstance. We're not dwelling on it. We're, we're rising above it. That's the challenge. Oh, I like it. I think I might start saying that instead of saying under the circumstances, over, over the, the circumstances. circumstances. Oh, fantastic. Well, um, yeah, well, welcome to everyone listening. Um, it's great to have you, um, have you with us. Um, I found out today that we've got a few listeners, um, Ray, from across the pond over Ooh. in the US. That's exciting. It's exciting. But, do you know, I actually would love to have some interaction with anyone listening. And we, mm-hmm. we, we have said it, we say it in the end little blurb, submit your comments or your suggestions or your questions. Um, Ray loves some spontaneous questions to answer. So if you have any, if it kicks off any questions, do mm-hmm. submit them and we will um, we'll dedicate a bit of time at the beginning of the next podcast. Uh, yes. Uh, I mean, it's, it's lovely to hear that. Uh, I've always enjoyed the occasions in the past when preached in America or in the Caribbean a few times. Um, there's a, a difference somehow, which we won't go into in detail, but it, it's great to preach around the world. Yeah, I haven't had that privilege, um, yeah. but we've spoken about it in other podcasts as well, mm. some, your trip to India, for yeah, example. Well, yeah, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, fantastic. So um, today we're reflecting on our Sunday talk. Uh, We're on part two of our study in Galatians. um, And the subject for today is all about the law. Now, on Sunday, you know, we don't have as much time to sort of really dig into the depth of it. We were talking about the purpose of the law um, as God's original plan to have it as a temporary custodian to show the Israelites what righteousness and holiness would look like in terms of achieving it sacrificing of animals but we basically concluded that you know as it says in and we'll have it in our reading in a moment that the law was meant as a temporary custodian or temporary guardian until the way of faith came so there's other stuff that was raised on sunday which hopefully we'll be able to dig into now so um as always i'll I'll read um i'll read the verses and then we'll crack on So we are in Galatians 3, we're starting at um, verse 15, Galatians 3, 15, um, and I'll go to the end of the chapter. So, to give a human example, brothers, even with a man-made covenant, no one annuls it or adds to it once it has been ratified. Now the promises were made to Abraham and to his offspring. It does not say, and to offsprings, referring to many but referring to one, and to your offspring who is Christ. This is what I mean. The law, which came 430 years afterwards, does not annul the covenant previously ratified by God, so as to make the promise void. For if the inheritance comes by the law, 
it no longer comes by promise, but God gave it to Abraham by a promise. Why then the law? It was added because of transgressions, until the offspring should come to whom the promise had been made, and it was put in place through angels by an intermediary. Now, an intermediary implies more than one, but God is one. Is the law then contrary to the promises of God? Certainly not. For if the law had been given that could give life, then righteousness would indeed be the law, be by the law. But the scripture imprisoned everything under sin, so that the promise by faith in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. Now before faith came, we were held captive under the law, imprisoned until the coming faith would be revealed. So then, the law was our guardian until Christ came, in order that we might be justified by faith. But now that faith has come, we are no longer under a guardian, for in Christ Jesus you are all sons of God through faith. For as many of you, many of you were baptised into Christ, have, have put on Christ, there is neither Jew nor Greek, there is neither slave nor free, there is no male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. And if you are Christ's, then you are Abraham's offspring, heirs according to promise. So, Ray, what were your initial <laughs> thoughts on that massive passage? It's, um, it's a passage that you could probably spend a few months um, preaching on if you were so inclined. Um, it's a fairly tight argument and fairly complex, um, but you have to pick out the key emphases, I think. Otherwise, you can so easily get bogged down in some of the emphases. Um, the primary thing here seems to have to do with a contrast between the Old Testament law and New Testament faith. Um, and the law is defined in both positive and more restrictive ways. Um, the law given in order to sort of hold us down, but the law given to provide us with guidance. So what is the purpose of the law? What, what's Paul's understanding? It seems to have to do with one, that it defines sin. Until the law is given, there is no definition of sin. Right. You know, what is wrong that I've got to avoid, it is that which is defined in the law. For that reason, Paul says, the law continues to be valid in that function. So how does that work then? If, if we are no longer under the law, we're through faith, some would say, well, the law then is now void, but... No, because being under the law implies being judged by it. That is not the function. The function of the law is to define and to, rest and to restrain us from going down an unlawful path. In other words, it as I say, it defines sin and seeks to slow us down on the path to sin that without Christ we are prone to. So it continues to be important. And in Paul here, and in Romans especially, 
he thunders against the suggestion that, oh, we can abandon the law um, in a sort of free, free-flowing way that some were suggesting at the time. And no, no, it's still there. It doesn't judge us, but it defines the problems that we have to resist and does so in a very precise and concise way. Some people would then ask, so there are many different um, laws that are written in the Old Testament and some are contained within Leviticus, repeated again in Deuteronomy, but then we've got the Ten Commandments and the summary of the law. Yeah, the summary of the law is that there are in the Ten Commandments, what we call the Decalogue, ten words, um, in the Ten Commandments there are both laws that define our relationship with God and laws that define our relationship with community to one another. Um, and so the that is summarised or encapsulated in two emphases. One is our relationship with God, the other is our relationship with one another. So to love God, that is applied in specific ways in the Decalogue, and to honour, love and serve one another is the remainder. That's actually really helpful, isn't it? And that's part of the Anglican Anglican liturgy, communion. On these two law, on these two hang all laws and the prophets. Yeah, yeah. So that's a really useful summary of the law. Yeah, mm. well, it's not surprising. Dear old Cranmer left us in the Book of Common Prayer, a, a book that is jam-packed with biblical emphases. Mm. So I'm thankful to him. Yeah, yeah. Look absolutely. forward to meeting him. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Okay, so what function then practically for? Christians today does the law have it's useful to study them but not to get hung up on them you know people I mean I have the summary of the law you know the first two commandments do they roll off the tongue because we say them so often is that good that's what Jesus said to his disciples how do we how do we look at the law and use it today Mm. practically I I think we we so build our life on the word of God of which this is a significant bit, the law, um, that it becomes part of us. That it def- because it defines what is sin, because it seeks to help us to live appropriately, we, we, we structure our development and our life around God's given, revealed purposes, plan and direction. And it then becomes a part of us, part of our life. Mm. I think it's important that we permit it, the, the law, to to enable us to grow in our faith. You know when I do that thing and throw random questions at you, Ray? Yeah, yeah that's right. <laughs> so, <clears throat> to love the Lord... My God, with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength—that is, is, is a struggle to do, and I have to. It's a, it's a daily choice, but okay. I can see how that. I can practically do that to love my neighbour as myself. Again, it's a challenge, but I can see how it's still relevant today. But then there are other laws, for example, you know, kosher food or 
you know, circumcision or whatever there are. Um, not yeah, but what you mustn't do is elevate subsidiary law to a place that is equal to the Ten Commandments, the Decalogue. Could you break those two things? What is what is the difference then? Subsidiary law and the Decalogue. Right, the Decalogue is the Ten Commandments. Mm. They are foundational for the people of God, both Old and New Testament. Um, the the mechanism by which it all works changes with Christ, but nonetheless, they have that function that we've already referred to. Um, so, whereas I mean, there is a great argument in the New Testament in the Gospels uh, between Jesus and the Pharisees, and the Pharisees had structured more and more subsidiary laws so that they they had the core um, law that they wanted to maintain and so they structured a, a ring of subsidiary laws around that in order to prevent people getting anywhere near breaking the core law mm. and then they structured another ring around those and so they had built a whole structure of legalities um, that became so restrictive and limiting that it went way beyond the purpose of, of Old Testament law. Am I making this up, Ray, which I might be, but wasn't there a law, uh, and it was a subsidiary law, all around the idea of not coveting the neighbour's wife, that Pharisees would put their heads down so they didn't want to look and you yeah. know, have any sort of temptation, so they'd look down, which meant they kept walking into walls and cutting their foreheads. Yeah. Now, have I made that up? No, no, you haven't. It's, that's, that is the type of thing <laughs> that, that happened. And what, what, was, what, what Paul seems to be saying is, yeah, the law as such, that, that core law is still applicable. Mm. Um, and, and the Decalogue, our foundational to the subsidiary laws, and they they go through to the New Testament yeah. as well. Yeah. Bear in mind also that there is law that was helpful in for a wandering people in the desert, um, yeah. and things that were specific to them. Um, so it was revealed at that period of forty years um, in. The desert wandering around like cattle and what would happen yeah, if yeah, one was stolen all these kind of little yeah. things which are not not applicable yeah how do we differentiate by focusing what why did jesus give us the summary of the law he gave us the summary of the law to point to those 10 rule 10 laws that constitute the core of the law in the old testament Mm. and a core that applies in its proper function by slowing down the degradation of sinfulness and by defining the nature of sinfulness and pointing people to the one in whom it's all summed up in Christ. That makes sense. Mm. It does make sense. I think so. Mm. Uh, and bear in mind, behind Paul's letter to the Galatians were um, some 
guys who were making a real pig's ear of stuff. Um, but also there was a, um, a promotion of the idea of circumcision as the sign of the Old Testament, Old Law, and he was trying to point them to a new way. So we mustn't get bogged down in the old. We go on to the new. We mustn't get bogged down by law and restricted by it. But we must go on to faith in Christ and follow his way. And the mark of the old covenant circumcision accessible only to, to boys, new way being baptism available to all. Correct. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, at the end... It says um, in verse 28, neither Jew nor Greek, slave nor free, male or female, you're all one in Christ. Yeah. The, f- the purpose of this, this is, is this summarising chapter 3? In a way, um, not, in not a, so in much. A, in a way, although um, it's, it's one of those verses uh, that is, shall we say, mishandled readily at times. Um what do you think it's saying then? It's saying that we are one in Christ. It is to do with our unity in Christ. Um, that there are no favourites to Christ. Mm. Um, it is not saying there are no longer men and women. Yeah. That there is no distinction. Mm. It is not saying that. I mean, it, it would be nonsense. It mm. would make, um, but some people do suggest that. Mm. Um, and they use it to justify... Um, deviations of various sorts in that whole area Um, whereas it's not about that and it's speaking about our unity in Christ all one in Christ I I'm I in 1956 I went for the first time to the Keswick Convention in in Cumbria Mm. Um, and um, for the first time as a 16 year old um, I came round the corner of the street that leads straight down to the t- the tent for the meeting, and a huge banner, all one in Christ Jesus, confronted me, and it it still sticks in my mind these sort of seventy years on, um, that that is the call, and and in a <coughs> sense that that applies to so much of this whole passage isn't it our our unity in christ and it also highlights how dangerous it is just to take a verse yeah by itself because actually verse 29 adds more to that because if you are christ's then you're abraham's offspring according to the promise correct Mm. yeah so that unites us yeah gosh we've spoken about a lot and there's maybe some questions have been brought up by people but that's really good to sort of talk about the law and what its relevance still is today. So thank you for that. Um, what would you say though, if you were from on this what we've read from verse fifteen onwards? What's your main? What would be your main message the, from this? Yeah, I would still. I, I I would tend as a New Testament believer. Um, to move ahead fairly fast (laughs) and I would want to get to verse 26 or in Christ you are all 
It says sons, but that's all right. It's a son of God speaks of a relationship, not a sex. Right. Yeah, that's, that's um, important. If um, we can, we are permitted to say children of God, because Paul uses that as well at yeah. times, and um, so that we are all of us children of God, and that relationship is established through faith in Christ. Faith, which is not a cumulative amount, but faith in a, in a person. Great faith is faith in a great person. Yes. And you said that before. Yeah. Actually, well, I shall on an earlier podcast. I shall no doubt say it again. <laughs> and uh, Great faith is faith in a great person. Yeah. And so I would want to move rapidly into our unity in Christ, our oneness in him, and that we're not split up into little groups epitomised by sex or punction. Nationality. Nationality or anything like that. Mm. Um, But we are one in him. And that's what binds us together is that we belong so yes I, I'm tickled pink that if there are people and that's an English phrase isn't it yes it is <laughs> people might not know what we mean sorry, sorry you folks um, <laughs> that, that people anywhere may be listening to this else, elsewhere um, but we are one yeah we are one in Christ mm. and no grades. Everyone. Hold on to verse 26. I love it. For in Christ Jesus, you are all sons or children of God through faith. Yep. Fantastic note to leave this on. And I'll just say that next week we're on part three of our study in Galatians, looking at chapter five. And it's all about transformation, which comes through the spirit. Yeah. So, yeah, we'll look forward to that. Thank you for your time. Not at all. We do hope you enjoyed this episode. Don't forget to like and subscribe and share with your friends on social media. And please do get in touch with any suggestions or comments you may have. Thanks for listening and see you next time.